Hey, Eling. Hey, wacht even hoor. Ik, uh, ik zie jullie niet. Ja, hey, hoi. Hallo. Hi. Goedemorgen. Good morning. Good morning. Oh, I really love that wallpaper. Every time I see you with it, I'm kind of jealous. <laughs> well, come and uh, visit me. And you can see it in real life. Oh, I will. <laughs> I know that you actually sent the link already to the wallpaper, but you already said it's kind of expensive. So I have it still on my wish list too. It's a bit of brown with some gold or copper. Yeah. Copper color. <laughs> So, but definitely next time come and visit me so you can see it real life. I might have still a piece left so you can oh, use that'll it be at great. Home. <laughs> <laughs> so, welcome, Uling. Yeah, thank you. Welcome we already, to you all. Uh, Happy to see you both. Yeah, no, but I'm looking forward to see each other in, in real life again. I think that is definitely something we are all craving for. Absolutely. I'm completely fed up with sitting at home behind my laptop, but it's... Uh, In front of your beautiful wallpaper. That's true, but still, it would be so fantastic to see everyone more in person and just have a life again, which I do have at the moment, but just seeing real people uh, somehow feels like... Um, Change of scenery. Uh, a nice also... image, at least. Yeah. It's a big thing where we can uh, shake about yeah because we started each episode with an uh, shake my head moment um, do you maybe want to start off with your shake my head moment? yeah I do and of course I had to think about that a little bit and I know uh, normally you would ask one that happened last week but when I thought about it I had a few shake my head moments and um, yeah I was a little bit triggered with, um, I mean, recently different promotions were announced and I was thinking of my own promotion when I was promoted to director. That was already uh, a few years ago. And I had to laugh about that last time with my husband. So a few years ago, we, um, I got promoted to director. I was very proud and very happy. And um, well, Deloitte organized a nice dinner. So all new directors were invited and the board of Deloitte, so the, the whole Dutch board of Deloitte uh, was present as well. And they invited us and uh, we were allowed to bring our spouses along. So there you go, you dress up and uh, my husband Jordi was allowed and uh, he joined me as well. So we dressed up, went into the boat. It was really well organized. It looked very pretty. I believe we had approximately... 20 people or so at that time got promotion and so with all the spouses and then with the board I think we had around I think 45 people or so and at the, at the entrance we were welcomed by the board and the actually the shake my head moment was at the moment when our um, actually our former CEO he then approached Jordi my husband um, congratulating him by becoming the director Oh. oh, so that was a funny moment. So what did Jordi say? <laughs> uh, well, uh, Jordi, of course, very cheerfully explained to our former CIO, like, hmm, it's actually Uling, my wife, who got promoted. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think that was a typical uh, shake my head moment. And mm -hmm. I must say, I'm very happy if you think about, I don't think that would happen nowadays. So we made a lot of progress already, uh, also within Deloitte. But I thought that was just a funny moment. And it also shows that we uh, really progressed in the last years. 
how did you how did it make you feel in that particular moment because i can also imagine that it also is not just shake my head but also um a pitfall sink to the ground yeah. kind of moment as well yeah the the prejudice prejudice that is out there and based on appearance is something that is happening and yeah i do believe now nowadays more that i also have more of a responsibility to speak up when i think like hey that's a bit of a weird situation but i, I always try to achieve that in a, in a way that you have the dialogue and the conversation instead of becoming angry or being mm. frustrated because i don't think that helps me nor the uh, nor other persons so definitely would um, stimulate more of the conversation Oh, definitely. Do you know that I actually have it the other way around? Somehow, whenever I send emails, I often get back Miss Yi or I'm addressed as a female, even though I think our believe Jason is predominantly <laughs> a male name, right? male name or name that was used for males. But yeah. somehow I always get back, hey, mevrouw Yi or oh. hey, even informal communication, like even from yeah. governmental institutions. Yeah, that's quite special because I always feel it's almost by default more, more or less more often Mr. than uh, Mrs. But um, in informal letters. And then indeed often I get letters that say, dear Mr. Who. So, but yeah, so that's a coincidence if you have the same the other way around. <laughs> yeah. Actually, my shake my head moment is um, also related to this. And I think that's beautiful because also next week or the 8th of March is also celebrating International Women's Day. But I also have to just admit myself, I um, am also subject to these biases. So I'm also only human. So I, I'm, I'm writing up and finishing off my research proposal for um, the PhD that I want to do. So one of the authors of one of the papers that is also predominantly in diversity and inclusion domain is called Moore Barak, um, which is of course an uncommon name. So it is actually related to what you were also um, describing earlier, Uling. And I noticed myself because I didn't look it up, um, but I wrote in the research proposal and referred to it as his research or his studies, which then of course I uh, had to say, oh, I am also learning now. When I looked it up, it is actually someone uh, who identifies as a female or is a female, a woman. So I also caught myself there and had to shake my head saying, oh, Jason, you should have done your research a little bit better into who this person <laughs> is before assuming that it was a man, because yeah, it is the, the default mode that I tend to think of because the majority is also, um, tends to be male in research, although it is different in DNI research, but my brain automatically filled in the dots there and said, hey, it's a, it's a male. So my shake my head moment was my own confrontation yeah, with, I understand. yeah. So we I learned also, from that. Definitely, definitely. Nice. I think that is also always the, the right, attitude to have to just learn from it and apply the growth mindset because I think one pitfall is definitely that we try to be perfect and it is only perfect until the moment that it that we fail and then what do we do yeah and thanks for sharing because that also helps right that you're not the only one who uh... of course but no one is I think everyone who everyone who claims to be human has a bias I think that is 100% sure so <laughs> Sure. And uh, Monique, what was your shake your head moment? Well, it was not related to uh, both of your subjects, but it was a bit related to, uh, to Deloitte because last week a guy from Deloitte came to pick up my screen because I had to, um, 
handed in again. And it was actually the first day that I was living by myself because my roommate left and now I have the place for myself. On Sunday, I was planning to uh, to hand out my spare keys to my sister, but I forgot and I thought, okay, next week is fine as well. Um, but then the guy came up picking up the screen and I thought, oh, I'll, I'll help him. And I closed to the front door, but not my like the main front door. And then my own door slammed and it was closed. Oh no. So, <laughs> this was day one. Day one. <laughs> They want so you locked yourself out? Living alone, locked myself out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and all my spare keys were lined up on the table, like, behind me <laughs> oh, no. to give to my neighbor and my sister. But yeah. So, um, <laughs> and I was... How did you get in? Yeah, I was first uh, a bit of uh, cursing in the um, in the hallway. And then my upstairs neighbor came like, okay, are you all right? And, said, and I was like, yeah, look, so blah, 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 blah. And he said, oh, no, well, okay. Is your back door open? And then I thought, hmm, I don't know. But then I figured, yeah, I left the back door open and that's why it slammed. So I was super lucky that that was ah. open. And I then I met my, my neighbors because <laughs> I had to ring and <laughs> ask if I could go through their backyard and jump into my over the fence and jump into my own backyard. And then I could climb in oh, wow. or yeah, I go back in. But it was well, more like, OK, first day. <laughs> and uh some stress but um, well, but at least you met your neighbors that's indeed. a nice thing. you can also give the key already to the neighbors now as a result yeah. <laughs> and my upstairs neighbor also gave his key to me so now oh, nice. we help see each other so it, this event was learn was a learning moment for everyone <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah sure so it was not that bad but it, yeah. oh but i can imagine the shake my head <laughs> moment indeed and the cursing that goes head. with it <laughs> Oh, but thanks for sharing. I think that is uh, a good way to laugh about it is also pro- processing it, right? So I think we go back to Uling. Yeah, because I think Uling, there's a lot of people that maybe also recently joined and do not know you personally. So we also thought it would be a nice opportunity for you to present yourself and also just introduce yourself. So the first question is just, who is Uling? Yeah, I sometimes also wonder who is Uling, but never mind. Um, yeah, thanks for that. I, I I think actually because we grew over the last period quite a lot with the change team. And um, of course, since uh, January as the sponsoring partner, yeah, perhaps it's nice just to give a little bit of an introduction about myself. Yeah. Um, people always and, ask me when they see me where you're from because they're always a bit confused uh, at one hand in the way how I look and on the other hand how I sound so to, demy- to demystify that um, so my parents immigrated a long 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 time ago from China um, and some people already know but my, uh, my father was at the age of 16 uh, he was the oldest of the family and his parents passed away quite young so he was the oldest and he had to take care of his brothers and his little sister. Um, so he actually decided, and I think it was quite a bold move, to, to move to Europe. Um, because he had to make a living to take care of his family. So um, after a year, um, I know that he finally got the papers. He had to wait for a whole year. He finally was able really to uh, fly, take a flight, not a boat, because people always asked me like, hey, did your parents come by boat? No, my, my father took a plane. 
and he flew from Hong Kong to uh, Europe. And I think what's always funny, I always find funny that is he bought a ticket to Sweden. And uh, at that time, when you took a plane and you have to re- you have to realize it was in the 60s or so, you had to take multiple uh, stopovers. Mm-hmm. So you would stop in uh, in Russia, in Kazakhstan, I don't know, multiple, multiple times. And um, yeah, the funny story, actually, I always find is that my father, um, even though he had a ticket to Sweden, he decided to... Um, leave the plane at Amsterdam. So it was the right, the one stop before Sweden. So he decided to, uh, to stop and uh, to leave the plane. And that's actually where, uh, well, let's say my history then started because um, he uh, started his own business uh, at that time, of course, like a many Chinese uh, immigrants, uh, a restaurant. And they started in, uh, in Brabant. So that's where I was born and raised in this little village, uh, Geldrop. <laughs> so that's a little bit of me. And then at the same time, when we grew a bit older, we moved to the Randstad because, of course, that was the way to make even a better living because there were more people uh, in the heads of my um, parents. Um, so I lived uh, close to Rotterdam. I then went to university, Erasmus University, where I um, actually studied at the Erasmus University and also at the uh, yeah, it's called HSC. Uh, that's the University of Montreal in Canada and had oh, a right. background in information management and change management. And I, I would say that's a little bit the common thread in my life. It's always, uh, at one hand, multicultural, gr- growing up with kind of Asian upbringing in a, in a Dutch environment and then uh, mixing more or less the harder side of change with the softer side of change. <laughs> Uh, I would say that is a bit of my, um, yeah, that's what signifies me in the, in the yeah. last years, so to say. Do you, do you ever, did you ever have a conversation? What, what made your, then, then, then on, off board in Amsterdam, what, what made him trigger to stay? Yeah, well, it was actually in a way practical because his grandfather, um, so his parents passed away quite young, but his grandfather um, actually was living in Paris. Okay. So it was just logistically a bit closer to Paris yeah. <laughs> to look up his grandfather at the time. And uh, yeah, so it was more of a logistical, practical uh, way than yeah. that he really had a big picture behind it. Yeah. And now flash forward, now you're the sponsoring partner of change management. What, what does that mean, even maybe also for people who are not really sure what, is, what this then means? Yeah, as a sponsoring partner. Yeah, so, um, so for those that, of course, know uh, Ronald Meyers, uh, we always had the intention with the, uh, with the idea that Ronald would go into retirement when he would turn 60. <laughs> Uh, But, of course, he decided he had this great opportunity to pick up the CEO role at ABOP, which is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, So we made the switch a bit earlier. Uh, But I must say, I I definitely enjoy it. it, For me, it's it's really about, in this role, helping to grow and develop the team, um, helping to position ourselves in the market, um, and also that we are the front leader so to say in the area that we love most being passionate about working with people being passionate about um, creating a movement and and creating transformation so yeah that is, that's what I see as my uh, as my role in uh, helping us to grow develop and and be a front leader in the market I'm also curious if you look back at 
let's say a younger Uling in Gelderop, what what kind of advice <laughs> would you give yourself? Um, so I probably have many, many advices for myself because uh, of course by growing older, you learn a lot. Sure. Um, no, I, I think for me, what I've learned, and, and, and I mean, when I was younger, you, you have to imagine my, my parents had the restaurant. They really literally, for them, it was a way to survive mm -hmm. and to make a living because they, they literally came with nothing. Um, so for them, the restaurant was really important. Um, that also means that when we were younger as kids, uh, for them, it was a way to survive was to keep the restaurant ongoing but it also meant that we as kids that there was not a lot of time for us more or less and um by the way i, do, I don't take them um i don't have any or how to say that blame or anything of that because i i, I just know that was just the way how it was mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't say anything about whether you love your children yes or no so we grew up in this uh, in this dutch family uh, partly but I think what I've learned um, and what I would advise my younger self uh, and that also has, has to do if I think about my work at Deloitte as a young consultant, I would say that I've learned that there's no such thing as work-life balance. And um, What do you mean with that? Yeah, what do you yeah that sounds a bit weird. I don't know. There's no <laughs> such thing as work-life balance. So let me, let me explain. That's also pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, I think. Pre-COVID. And let me explain before, before we get wrong interpretations. Yeah. Um, for me, it's more about the work. It's, it's work-life and balance. Uh, if, if I think about... Yeah, just let me give some examples. When I, for mm -hmm. example, when I started at Deloitte, like many of us, I was young, I was eager, I wanted to learn a lot, um, wanted to do all the cool projects. I traveled a lot across different countries and uh, I, I really enjoyed working with large international teams. And in my mind, I always had to keep my private life and my work life separate, mm. thinking that was normal. You separate your work life, you separate your private life and that's it. But then I, I just experienced in my personal life that I had my own ups and downs. Yeah, for instance, I had um, health issues. I, I had, yeah, like miscarriages. I had like uh, a divorce even. So those were just part of my life. You have in your life ups and downs. Yeah. And whereas at Deloitte, I was always trying to keep up the appearance um, mm. wanting to achieve, let's say, the exceed expectation. At that time, we had that rating system. But I think what I've learned most, and that's the advice I would give my younger self, that ups and downs is normal, whether it's in your private life or in your social life or in your work life. So yeah, in your work life, you also have projects that you don't like, that are complex, clients that you don't get along with, or work pressure is hard. And the fact that you then, at times, yeah, that, that can be a, a down period. Or the fact that you get, for example, I also got like not exceeding expectations. Um, yeah, I actually have accepted that that's normal. It's okay. It's like, like life. You have ups and downs in your life, whether that's social or in work. And uh, if you actually accept that and also accept that it does not need always to be in balance then that's fine as well. So that's why I meant for me, work is integrated and part of my life and balance 
it's yeah when it comes it's fine but when it's not there that's also part of life so that's what i meant with there's no such thing as work-life balance that's something i would um yeah i would have liked and have learned a little bit more when i was my younger self does it make sense yeah Yeah, definitely i think that's beautiful it is and I think also, especially in this, this period when we are facing, of course, a lot of challenges, I think both personal and in work, I think it really helps to, to hear it's just not always going uh, yeah, in your highest uh, ability. And, well, also it's yeah. about resilience, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like, I, I read this study, uh, which was recently done as well around the COVID, that we are actually more resilient than we sometimes even tend to think and also in terms of leaders so one global study that was executed they actually looked into it and they said when people were reporting high numbers of resilience people actually didn't sugarcoat it but the more exposed they were actually to uh, something that was regarded as a threat or in, in this in certain situations the covid that the resilient reported resilience was higher but also the more tangible the threat was also the resilience levels rose. So I really like that you also in- indicated with your story and really making it visible and explicit. Mm-hmm. It's stating, I think, the real thing, like this is what can happen and this is also what's happening, but that it triggers something in our brains that makes us actually more resilient. Whereas sometimes the tendency is to sugarcoat it that actually does the opposite thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I, I think really like uh, when I was younger, of course, I wanted to be um, doing my best at work, try to achieve the highest and being the best. But I, I think just recognizing that sometimes like life, you don't have to be the best and sometimes projects go shit. Oh, that's OK as well. And I think indeed, if you accept that, you indeed become more resilient. It's just the acceptance that that's part of your yeah of the rhythm that you have. Exactly. Yeah, but also that I think the shitty part in that sense, or quoting, paraphrasing your words, is maybe part of becoming successful also, or needed to become that successful in the end. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I do believe sometimes we might be a little bit too eager thinking that the next step is the most uh, important thing in, in your career. But the point is that if you realize that it's more about your personal development, yeah. which is much more important than ticking the, all the boxes. Um, that on its own shows, I believe, more uh, maturity in dealing with some of the aspects of the work that we have. And, and let's face it, the work that we do, it, it's quite intense work. It's almost like what we say, it's like doing real sports. It's like playing uh, the world games, so to say, mm-hmm. in, in, in what we do as Deloitte. But I do believe a lot of it is about your mentality as well. So yeah, I've learned sometimes more about not working harder, thinking that is better, but thinking smarter is probably more the answer. One final takeaway is more about, um, because you asked the question about sponsoring partner and what does it mean to me? For me, I I really believe that the humanizing organization, um, I really believe that that we're in this era where we have all of these social um, challenges, that humanizing organization is is really at the core what we as a change team can achieve. I mean, if there's one team that really can help to achieve that, then it's the change team. So I definitely would like to give us the challenge 
to really think about humanizing organizations, what does it mean? How do we make sure that organizations with the programs that we do and the great transformation types that we do really help to make organizations more social enterprises? And how can we help organizations to think about how do they really create value out of their own people in, the, in, the, in their teams and create true well, value out of that? And what does it mean if you put them at the heart of the transformation? I think if we, if we can um, crack that nut, so to say, then I think we definitely have a way and a fantastic uh, future as a team. What, what can I do? to humanize organizations um, like on a small level? Yeah, I like that question, uh, Monique, because sometimes I believe we, we might make it bigger than it is, but it, I, I really believe, especially if, if I look at the change team, uh, one of our strengths is definitely the people who we are, um, all very passionate about humans, all passionate about our work. And, and if you are just your, you take your own self, so to say, or be your own self uh, in your interaction with clients, that on its own, do not un underestimate the power of that in humanizing organizations. Um, in the interactions that you have with the clients, bring your own personality to life. I must say what I've seen at least clients definitely appreciate that instead of you being more of a, a consultant as almost being an automatic robot, so to say. So that's what I would like to, uh, yeah, I think that's just a small tip. Just be yourself and clients even appreciate it more and it will help to humanize organizations. Thanks. Will do. Nice. So thank you so much, Uling, for joining us in the podcast and also sharing all of these um, details, I think, about your personal life. I think that is truly inspiring, if I speak so for myself. Mm -hmm. thanks, so thank you very much. Thank you as well. Have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. This was the final episode in this pilot season of podcasts. It changed yet. And we were really happy to have Uling on this final episode. I think she was really inspiring with her uh, backstory. Yeah, her, totally her agree. Her personal life uh, and yeah. the insights that she shared with us that she learned along the way. I have to say also, thank you, Monique. It, it was really nice to do this with you. And I know that it just started off as just a small, crazy idea that we wanted to do. But I, th I, th I think we actually turned out to be good podcasters. Mm -hmm. We kept on going. Yeah, I've learned a lot about stop words, about stop words, editing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we learned a lot. Yeah, but also we think uh, just we want to thank everyone who listened in, and hopefully you also enjoyed listening to it as much as we did enjoy creating it. I think we um, have one more bonus episode that we want to make, Monique. Yeah, yeah we want to. Um to share the, the learnings uh, that we gained uh, along this journey of podcast making. And I think that is super interesting, not only for internal team, but also to uh, apply like podcast, this, this medium uh, at clients, for example, in a change journey. Or, um, and how easy it is to do it. I mean, I mean yeah. if we can do it, then I'm pretty sure everyone can do it. <laughs> Yeah, it is really easy and we just want to help you uh, with this first step. Yes. So I think for the final time, thank you all for listening and hopefully see you soon in real life. That would be even better. Yes. Bye-bye.
But Thank for you, now, David, as well, to make this um, yeah, podcast come to life. On to the next project. <laughs> bye bye. Bye.